three, two, one. Ah, uh, Alex, don't hate me because I'm beautiful, Alex. Maybe if you got rid of that old yee-yee-ass haircut, you get some bitches <laughs> on your dick. Or better yet, maybe Tanisha would call your dog ass if she ever stopped fucking with that brain surgeon or lawyer she fucking with. Sardonicast. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Sardonicast. Uh, this is Adam from Your Movie Sex. That was a quote from uh, Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the infamous Lamar Rose yeah. Franklin. Yeah, I was going to say, this is Lamar from Lamar the, Ra- uh, Lamar the Movie Maker. Fuck, I couldn't even say the joke. The Ralph Maker. <laughs> yeah, and this is Trevor from uh, I Trevor Everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. That Trevor guy, he's in like, he's in Better Call Saul. He Trevor. is, he is. He's really good in it too. Okay. He's had like a good career. Like, he's on a lot of TV shows. He's on Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm he like, is, oh, yeah. good for him. He actually like made it. Like, and um, the guy who played Michael DeSanta in that game, he's in Boardwalk Empire in like one scene. Oh, really? I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, it's like season five. I think like uh, I don't know. Some guy like beats the shit out of him in an alleyway. It's pretty funny. But I'm like, <laughs> it's Michael DeSanta. Yeah, that was uh, you know good for them. I don't think Franklin has done a lot, but I don't think Franklin was actually an actor. Mm. Like. Outside of GTA, you know? Yeah, you're right. I remember that that fact, yeah. They they kind of, like, plucked him and Lamar, like, you know, like, out of the blue. Like, <laughs> oh, you guys are going to be in this game. And that's funny, because they were, like, the best parts of the game, actually. Like, they're really funny in that game. Yeah, like, the whole yee-yee-ass haircut line, and I don't know. It was very funny, I thought. Do we know anything about GTA 6? Or is it, like... Just no official news. Oh, yeah. Well, all that stuff leaked out about there it. There were leaks. A yeah. bunch of leaks, yeah. There was, like, some footage, yeah. I never look at leaks. I'm not a leaky mm-hmm. guy. Because it's unfinished? Yeah, there's no point. <laughs> you, don't, you don't leak. <laughs> there's no yeah. point looking at a leak. I mean, it's... People were saying, oh, it looks terrible, it looks terrible. But it's it's an unfinished game. Like... Yeah. You know, it's not done. It's like uh, judging a movie based on, like, previs stuff, you know? Like, if that mm-hmm. leaked... Exactly. Oh, it looks so unfinished. Well, yeah, it's unfinished. It's like sampling a piece <laughs> yeah. of meat before it's cooked. Yeah. Uh huh. It's like, sorry, you got to cook it. <laughs> you got to cook it longer. Yeah, yeah. To bring it up, like, I saw on our Sardonicast Reddit, someone had seen, like, David Fincher's new film, and it was, like, kind of previs. Like, some of the shots weren't mm, done. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool that, like, someone who watches our show, like, actually saw the movie and is, like, working on it. And he said, like, it's a good movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The Killer, oh, yeah. I think it's called. Mm. Yeah, it's a Netflix one, right? It's gonna be, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while. Yeah. So on one of the other episodes we recorded, we talked about Spider-Verse. And since we record some of these like particularly early, just because I'm fucking running around traveling and shit, the news came out after we recorded that uh, apparently the animators were also very overworked <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on that film. It is not exempt. Oh, for Spider-Verse? Yeah. Yeah, I saw the comments yeah. about that. That might be why there were like so many... Um, like problems i had with the movie like even though it looked great there was a lot of sound problems and i i was mm-hmm. guessing like did they like rush to get this out like seems like that's kind of what it seemed like to me yeah like the, the the sound wasn't probably done even when they released the movie which is crazy because like they released the movie to, like a wide audience and then the sound like isn't even finished it's like like what the fuck are you guys thinking like push the movie back a little bit yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I can actually um, pluck this thing from the subreddit that I was going to bring up later, but I might as well now, um, from JoJo's Crazy Reddit. 
uh, bringing this exact thing up. Recently, many animators for Across the Spider-Verse came out and complained that the working conditions were awful, causing approximately 100 artists to leave the film, as well as having to redo finished work five times and potentially 11 hours a day for seven-day working weeks. One of them even stated that this isn't the first time as producer Phil Lord has done this before with the Lego movie and Mitchell vs. The Machine. This resulted in many artists and viewers asking the studio to delay Beyond from its March release and being angry at Amy Pascal for saying welcome to making a movie. What are your thoughts on on the situation and do you think there can be a better solution for animators that are being mistreated as this has been a constant problem for other animation projects over the years, Mm. possibly decades? Yeah. Fucking unionize. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah, that that and yeah, the movie looks fucking nice though. Like it looked great. So yeah, props to them for that speaking of rockstar actually um do you remember the drama around the the crunch period for red dead redemption 2 that was like a big story around the time no i've actually never heard about that yeah yeah i think there well a lot of um game studios are notorious for the crunch period and there's a lot of debate around like it's difficult isn't it because like all these films that are being mentioned in this in this comment here are like they are kind of stand out excellent too so it's like Mm mm-hmm I guess it's about the compensation, you know, if, if sure. is often underpaid and overworked and maybe if the compensation was better, then you could justify it slightly more or it is difficult. Cause yeah, without unions, without proper, uh, workplace conditions, it's yeah, it can be yeah. abusive. You don't want to be sleeping under your desk to get these projects out. I never heard about that Red Dead stuff, but like Red Dead looks amazing though. Like <laughs> like all those stories. Well, that's the thing. It's like you get you get to have Red Dead Redemption 2 on your resume after that, you know. It's like mm-hmm. what what are the what is the sacrifice to abuse uh, to pay off kind of ratios. Yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, the, their work is amazing. So I don't even think it's like, it doesn't feel like the work is unfinished. You know, it looks immaculate, like these animators. I just want to, you know, give them props on that. But it's funny, like, we talk about them being underpaid or whatever, but like, these budgets for some of these movies have gotten so high, it makes me wonder, like, if CGI is even, like, more cost-effective than, like, doing something practically. Because I feel like that used to be the excuse, right? It's like, you do something practically, it costs a lot of money, it's a lot of work, a lot of crew members. But now, like, this new Indiana Jones movie has, like, a like over $340 million yeah. budget. It's a lot of CGI work. It makes me wonder, like, if they... If a lot of that goes to the animators, and I, I guess it just depends on the company, maybe. You know, Spider-Verse had a low budget, yeah. it was like $100 million. But I was just wondering, like, you know... I wonder, like, what exactly it is there. Um, but I do feel like they need to unionize, yeah. There's a lot of issues with the industry right now. Like, the, the writer's strike, obviously. Yeah. It's kind of put a hold on a lot of projects. There's, there's the actor's strike now. That just happened. All the actors are going on strike. Mm. And, you know. Yeah. I think uh, it's almost, like, baked into entertainment industries. Like, even on our level. I don't want to speak for you guys, but, like... Sometimes the crunch thing, just to get a video finally done, like just winds up happening sometimes as to <laughs> just to get it out in a in a certain time. Yeah, like- yeah. Oh, I've crunched for sure, but you know that's me. Like, I, I, you know, I work for myself. I can work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could do whatever the fuck I want, right? But <laughs> like when you're paying other people and and like overworking them, that's a little inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah, it always sucks because like how how much value do we really place on like the release date? You know, I get it for 
Microsoft and Halo 2, they're like, no, it has to be Christmas. Everybody, it'll be a Christmas present game. And it's like, okay, well, you just released an unfinished game. Like, give it another fucking year. Wait until next Christmas. Like, fuck off, you know? Oh, EA is the worst with that. Yeah. They're fucking awful. Yeah. Like, the Battlefield games are all unfinished. I just got that um that new Star Wars game, Jedi Survivor, which is a great game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played it. But, man, it just keeps crashing. It's so laggy, and it keeps crashing. Like, yeah, the frame rate as well is all over the place. Right. It's so bad. It's, like, really bad, though. Like, I'm like, did they even, like, finish? They probably didn't even, like, you know, do the playtesting they needed to do for it. Because there's just, like, a ton of glitches. Like, you can't get through certain doors. You, like, it's, like, all kinds of, like, crazy issues the, the game has. And, like, they, they could have been fixed, but they just, like, rushed these things out, right? And I get it. They want to make money. You know, I'm not opposed to making money, but... And it's, yeah, it's kind of baked into the business model. Like it starts at the top, you know, and trickles down. Cause like they're, they're investing these, as you said, like with Indiana Jones, these, these sums of money that are, are so obscene and like, the, you know, it has to fit in the numbers and the bean counters have made these certain like predictions and all has to like fit in a certain place or like everything goes wrong. And yeah, they don't want to be in the black here or yeah. So it's like the, the model. Money. To, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's all about money. I like money. They just missed the crabs, yeah. <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> not, not bad. Not a bad. I like your um, Ezra Miller impression. I think I was looking at the comments, <laughs> yeah. the, like the comments, like for the new Flash we just uploaded. Wait, he's Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad trippy. You got to go up at the end. Yeah. It, it sounds like just like him. Yeah, that's funny. Like we're talking about like financials or whatever. The Flash, like we just posted our discussion about it. It's been yeah. four weeks since it came out, right? And the movie's already out of the top ten. It's a fucking huge bomb. Yeah, no, nah, nah, this is this is perfect actually because I had this. Yeah, I had this ready to bring up. Good. Look, I got the list of the ten biggest bombs in million dollars of loss. Right, number one is the Flash right now with minus two hundred million. <laughs> Dollars. Number two, Shazam. Of the past Fe- year? Or like- no, no, this is like of all time at the what? moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. Not even just in the superhero genre? Like, are we talking like every genre? No. The Flash is the worst bomb of all time? I think so, yeah. Like, listen to this Holy list, right? Shit. So that's number one currently. Number two, Shazam, Fear of the Gods, minus 150 million. Number three, uh, Wonder Woman, 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's minus 137 million. Four, Dark Phoenix, minus 133 million. Uh, number five, The Suicide Squad, minus 130 million. Six, Black Adam, minus 100 million. Seven, Fantastic Four, minus 100 million. Mm-hmm. Eight, RIPD, minus 92 million. <laughs> Nine, The New Mutants, minus 84 million. And number 10, Green Lantern, minus 75 million. Oh, wow. So, like, what was it? Two of them are from this year? Uh, yeah, at least from the past few years. Yeah, Shazam, The Flash, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, The Suicide Squad and, and Wonder Woman. Like, I actually like The Suicide Squad. I think that's a good movie. But you could say, you could say that's because of COVID. Yeah. You could say it's COVID related too. Like, these movies, like, like the theaters are back, I'd say. Like, and then, yeah, that, like, those movies just bombed horribly, right? It's, that's so funny. I didn't realize The Flash was, like that bad but yeah it makes sense like asteroid city did better this week than than the flash did that's fucking crazy that's fucking insane yeah and it's 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 it's, it's, it's yes the summer of flops huh because like just mentioning indiana jones that's like a 300 million dollar budget for some reason yeah. and the <laughs> it's not going to be making over a billion elemental 
Yeah. The elemental. I mean, elemental might be all right, but like that Kraken movie, the, the DreamWorks oh, one, yeah. which is like, has been sent out to die. That's the only competition for elemental, basically, because they're both like kids' movies. And that's doing terribly. Mm-hmm. That was like the worst opening for DreamWorks or whatever. That Blue Beetle movie's fucked. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. What chance does it have at this point? Majorly fucked. Like, in order to even be excited for it, you have to be already involved in like the inner workings of the DCEU and be like oh no because it's like it's gonna be the start of the james gunn universe and it's like okay well if all it takes for a movie to be successful is just those people watching it then the flash would have been fine so <laughs> i don't know what we're supposed to do here yeah maybe it'll connect with a larger demographic than we think maybe people will just enjoy seeing it because uh whoever that old comedian guy is in it i don't remember his name anyway George Lopez? Yeah, George Lopez. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Blue Blue Beetle. Yeah. George Lopez. He's going to save Blue Beetle. Yeah, he's going to save it. Yeah, he's barely in the trailer. Because they played that trailer before the Flash movie. And I was like, uh, George Lopez is in it, but it's like he's two seconds of the trailer. I feel like that would be like, you know, the focal point of the movie. Like, you end the trailer, right, with like a George Lopez joke. And everyone in the theater laughs. But they didn't even do that. I don't know. That yeah. movie's good. You're right, Alex. It's going to be a fucking mess, that movie. It's yeah. going to be even worse than The Flash. And that has a, you know, I was, I was thinking like maybe the budget for it's like low, like 60 million, because it seems kind of more low key, kind of like a Harley Quinn kind of movie, like yeah, how that yeah, did. That's a it, it, the budget for it's like $140 million for Blue Beetle. It's like, really? what the fuck? Probably in spite of this. Yeah, it's more than <laughs> Spider-Verse. What the fuck? Like, what are they spending these mo- like all this money on these movies? Like, you're not gonna make that back. Warner Bros. must be panicking. That kind of explains that Harry Potter scramble now. Like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> they must be like sweating. Ugh. Oh man, you guys haven't seen those Fantastic Beasts movies, right? Those are never will. I've, I've seen two of them. Those are really bad. Yeah, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but I think they made money, right? At least. Oh, yeah. First couple ones, probably. Yeah. At least the first two. The first two. I don't think the last one did great. Are they still making more? I heard they had a contract to like keep going, but I don't know if there's a point if people aren't watching them. I don't know if the third one was successful enough. I can't imagine it getting worse, but yeah, I can't wait to see the shit that they make. Yeah. They could just do a Blumhouse version, and it'll just be like, oh, it's like M. Night's The Visit. Like, this is found footage now. You just imagine everything else. Yeah. Did Blumhouse do those Paranormal Activity movies? I think that's, like, what got them started, right? Uh, I don't think it was, but I'll check. It is Blumhouse. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, th- I thought that's, like, what got them started. Uh, it would have had to, yeah. Yeah. They stopped making those movies, which I thought was funny, because it's like, really? You're going to, like, make your money back on that investment, you know? Because those yeah, movies cost, no matter like, how bad they 10 are. million. <laughs> Right, exactly. But they like stop making them. I don't it's like under- the Saw movies. Right, exactly. I don't understand why they stopped making yeah. them. You know, because it's you don't like need name actors. No, you don't need anything. Like you just need a house and like some cheap camcorders, and then they. But they made their money back on those. Like all always. Like it would be like five million dollar budget. Yeah, two hundred million dollar gross. So I don't know why they stopped making them. You know, even the flops were profitable. Even in even the worst ones in the franchise. Yeah, even if it makes like forty million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, that Insidious movie, like that kind of, you know, that did great. Yeah. Like, compared to a lot of these movies we're talking about, because it's low budget and it made money. Like it didn't make a lot of money, but it made money. 
And it was, you know, that's profitable. It's much more profitable than any of the shit we're talking about right now. The Flash and Indiana Jones. It, yeah, it's doing better than Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, the studios should really, like, take, uh, you know, the message from this. And, like, you know, you don't need these inflated budgets. Yeah, they must have, like, expected it to be returning to pre c-virus levels or something right like how mm -hmm. it used to be they must have got just too cocky because there was just that string of just like it seemed like every single superhero movie that was coming out was going past the billion mark you know everything um mm -hmm. and then yeah <laughs> this is yeah. like an unprecedented amount of money to lose was for like 800 million dollars yeah like just from wb <laughs> like, yeah Adam mentioned, I think in our review of Valerian, like, just because you throw money at a movie doesn't make it a good movie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how much money you throw at it. Like, you need something compelling about it. I don't know. You need, like, a good script. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, we'll be surprised by something that doesn't have a good script and is still successful. Like, sometimes it's just the IP, but, like, I don't know. Like those Fast and Furious movies, right? Yeah. Or the Jurassic Park things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, right, right. But Everybody hated that last one. <laughs> that was shocking. It still made money, though. It made over a billion still, made, like, Yeah, it made a billion yeah. fucking dollars. Yeah. Everybody hated it. <laughs> yeah, because it says, you know, Jurassic Park on it. Right? Dinosaurs. Well, those Fast and Furious movies. Cars. You guys haven't seen that new one, right? That new Fast and Furious? No, I haven't watched it yet. No. I haven't seen it was any of them. fucking horrendous, man. So but bad. Like, on what, what level compared to the other ones? Like the whole movie was like taking every has-been in Hollywood and just throwing them like in the movie. Like it's like, okay, we got Vin Diesel, we got Brie Larson, we got a, uh, you know, uh the, the Rock is in it, he makes a cameo, Gal Gadot's in it. And it's just like every scene is introducing characters and there's no like progression. Like none of them die. Like, you know, it's like, like there's no story. The whole movie's this guy introduced. This is his scene. And then the really the worst part of the movie was like they have that sentimental corny scene where Vin Diesel's like in his garage and he's like looking at photos of Paul Walker on the wall and they play like that song from like you know that big song when like Furious 7 came out it's like yeah, a piano yeah. rendition of it and it's like guys this is so this is such like corny sappy shit it's like 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 what is the story here you know, it's the whole movie. Isn't it like doomed as well? Where like, it's like a part one type situation. Yeah, right? it, it totally is. Yeah. I, f <laughs> I fell asleep in the climax. So <laughs> I thought that they were making another one. That's a part one. I thought they had like two more and there would be like a part one, part two. Oh, but I don't know. Start of the trilogy is it? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Keep up with this. Yeah. They will stretch it out for as long as they can. The best part though is when Dwayne Johnson shows up in the post credit. Cause oh. like he didn't want to do them for a while, but I guess like, cause black adam bombed he got desperate and so like his it's his, it's clearly a body double his body double walks into the room oh no and takes you know <laughs> it's like some guy in a mask so you can't see and it's clearly like a much less buff guy than dwayne johnson like it clearly doesn't look like him and then he, oh, wow. like dwayne johnson's basically only in the movie for one shot he takes off his mask and he goes like you know let's take care of business or something and that's like that's it. And he probably got paid like $10 million. <laughs> probably filmed it in his garage, yeah. I mean, that movie too. That movie is one of the ex most expensive movies of all time. If you like look up the budget, it's like Fast 370 X. million. Yeah. Oh it's one God. of the most expensive movies ever made. Cause they just, they throw in a bunch of actors. And that's like the whole movie. It's like, look at this actor. Look at this actor. It's money laundering for all their mates. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I mean, that that one was really bad. That might be the worst movie I've seen this year. Like, even worse than Cocaine Bear. And that was pretty fucking bad, too. Really? Is it worse than Fast and Furious 8? 
because that to me was like inexcusable. That's what yeah. that's the Charlize Theron like AI car one. Oh, she's in it too. Yeah, she's in it too. Oh, of course. You know, because they have to throw in everybody. It's all just like every actor they have under contract. Like they just like want to be a part of the movie. So it's like it's like eighty characters. Like John Cena's in it. Now he's a good guy, oh, even yeah. though in the last movie he was a bad guy. It's like what the fuck is going on? Like. Yeah, it, it, Fast 8, that was bad, but this one, I think these last two have been really, like, atrocious. It's, like, so transparent now, like, the, the business model. Yeah, there's not about anything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We we kind of jumped around a lot, <laughs> but it's good. Good, uh, good to talk about movies. Yeah. Speaking of Asteroid City, we saw <laughs> Asteroid City, everybody. Yeah. The new Paul Wes Anderson film. Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> what did we think about it? Oh <laughs> uh, Well, you guys start, because I want to hear what you think about this. Genuinely. I want to I hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm uh, quite torn on this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I think it's, like, it's objectively well-made, you know? Like, everything about it is what you'd expect from Wes Anderson. It's like, yeah, it's got everything you'd expect and want. Uh, from the way he puts together a movie, except I'm just, I just did not feel much emotion during this. Um, and I, I, I'm going to need something. His best projects do bring out an emotional response for me. Even, uh, was it last year's The French Dispatch? Um, mm-hmm. it, or two years ago? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had a sort of a, a more clunky structure, but it was, had some really standout segments um in, in the french dispatch that like did you know uh emotionally connect with me and have, have been like really memorable um and this film has its moments and there's a lot of great stuff in a vacuum but i feel like there's an obtuse kind of framing that really takes a while to pay off for me um like the first third like felt quite glacial to me and i was just kind of questioning like I really wasn't expecting this kind of structure from this movie and I was trying to figure out like what's, what's it going for this whole kind of meta angle um, that I don't think was present in any of the marketing and the trailers and stuff because um, I was really enjoying it every time it was kind of settling in the you know the desert setting and exploring that stuff I was I was quite into it but it would yeah break out of that and then go into this meta narrative about the asteroid city is actually a play and there's also this kind of yeah meta story about the the writer of the play and the spoilers the, the dynamics of spoiler discussion. yeah sorry uh, spoilers for asteroid city i guess um but yeah it it does kind of come together towards the end and it did win me over by the end but i felt like for an hour and 45 minute long movie I don't know. It, it took a it took a lot to get there, and for all the stuff that was at play, there's like a, a lot of characters, and a lot of them are really memorable, and they have their fun lines, and there's lots of good like memorable dialogue. But there's also the idiosyncrasies, man. Like it's always been part of the style, but it's like it's almost like cranked up yeah, uh, to this point. I don't know if it's just I kept thinking about like uh, the Isle of Dogs review we did, but I'm kind of feeling like how Ralph did during that movie. I think, mm. um, yeah, with this one. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess if we're in spoilers, like adore yeah. the scene, the scenes with the alien. Um, love that stuff. Yeah, I wish there was more. Yeah, um, I, and I did quite like how it concluded, but man, I just did. I had quite a static experience um, as far as like any kind of emotional resonance. Um, which for his best movies, I just I just don't feel that way. Um, 
Yeah. What about you? Sorry, guys? how was like your crowd watching it? Was it like a lot of people there? It was weird. Yeah, it was actually a packed theater. It was busier than I was expecting. Yeah, same for me. But there was like one person in the crowd laughing. Like I, I, I kind of you know snorted out my nose a couple of times, and I really liked a couple of the characters and found them witty. But I wasn't, I wasn't chuckling. You know, like in Grand Budapest Hotel or you know Fantastic Mr. Fox or any mm. number of his other movies. There's. Yeah, there was something kind of cold about it, and I don't know if that's intentional with the whole, like, desert setting and, you know, I don't know, like, it, it didn't fully work for me. Like, I don't want to rush back to see this anytime soon, to be honest. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. The style is cranked up to 11. The quirkiness is cranked up to 11. And then there's no hook until, like, halfway through the movie, and even then it kind of just disappears and you forget about it for a while, and then, you know, like the style should be complementing an actual skeleton of something. Mm. Whereas the structure of this film, I just like, you kind of have to already love Wes Anderson movies to enjoy this. And don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it overall, but yeah, man, I'm like, I, I just wish that I got the same filmmaking, but actually presenting me with <laughs> like a better story instead of just like it it just felt like almost like random dialogue between characters of just at the service of like tiny little jokes that don't really matter in the grand scheme of the the whole film you know even if even if it's all relatively consistent or even like thematically consistent even like it it just feels like i was the entire first act took up like half the movie and there wasn't really anything until the end of the first act that was a hook. There wasn't really anything that was like, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I should care about what these characters are doing. (laughs) It was just kind of like, Oh, you've shown me a bunch of characters. It's a very star studded cast. The acting's good. They're good jokes. I like the way it's shot for the most part, you know, but like, what, what are you trying to show me? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. The filmmaking's pretty immaculate, though. Like, his style. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's, like, it's pretty masterful, I'd say. Like, everything about it. The framing and the way he, like... Even just, like, the, the backgrounds. Like, this, like, mix of... I don't know if it was, um like, miniatures or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, the I love the desert backgrounds. I did see miniatures in the credits, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was a pretty masterfully made movie. Yeah, that's interesting, like, what you guys said about it, because, like, I'm I'm probably the biggest Wes Anderson naysayer, like, out of the three of us. Like, all of his movies are the same, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I actually really fucking love this movie, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. <laughs> interesting. It's, it's so weird. It's like what you guys are saying. It's so weird, it's so out there, that it actually becomes its own thing. Like, the, he, I feel like Wes Anderson, early in his career, made, like, kind of normal movies, but then he entered this, like, awkward middle stage where he was trying to, like, find his identity with, like, Darjeeling Unlimited and Darjeeling Limited, actually. And then, um, you know, the, the Bill Murray one, Life Aquatic, and even Isle of Dogs. I had, like, issues with those movies where they're kind of artsy, but they're also kind of too mainstream. And there's, like, this awkward middle ground. This one was, like, so odd. You know, it's so out there that I actually really liked it. It actually felt like its own 
thing. It felt like such a unique film with its own voice. And I feel like he's really gotten good at the dialogue. Like the dialogue, I, I love the dialogue in this movie. I felt it was very funny. And the, the crowd I was with really liked the movie too. They were laughing consistently and I was too. I thought it was a really great movie. This is one of my favorites from him. Okay. And yeah, I love like the, the science fiction angle on it too. That felt very different for him where it's about like this town, um, kind of, you know, encountering an alien and how they deal with it. And yeah, it was like, you know, it's definitely one of his movies. Um, and it definitely has that style, but I really connected with like the story and with like his style in it. Cause I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I, yeah, the cast was great. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's fine. We disagree, but yeah, yeah. I, I actually really love this movie. And I'm, again, I'm the biggest like Wes Anderson, like all of his movies are the same, blah, blah, blah. But I really like this one. This is one of my favorites of the year. Like uh, in like top five. I, I thought this was really great. This one. Yeah. That's- it's why I'm so torn on it because I, I agree with everything you're saying, um, except for maybe the kind of emotional response. Um, yeah, that's what it, it, I was. I was spending a lot of the runtime kind of trying to figure out, like, what's he trying to say with this? Like, where's this kind of going? Mm-hmm. And then it like really quickly towards the end in one of the meta scenes, like some of the characters kind of explain what the movie's trying to say in quite a blatant way, and it's kind of yeah. Like, oh. I, I don't know which I would have preferred if you kind of left this more open or it does kind of show its hand yeah exactly it does yeah. show its hand and like I, at the very end there but i like the complexity of it you know because it's like the story framed within a story like what you're seeing is actually a play told by these actors and the actors are their own characters and it's based on this real guy and there's like a lot of quirky scenes in it like like there's this scene where like the actor kisses the writer of the play right something like that like the director or writer of the play it's like a little quirky thing that i thought was like oh that's interesting and like brian cranston he's like the narrator of the play and like he accidentally winds up in the like movie version he's like oh i'm not supposed to be here am i like and then he like it has like yeah fun stuff like that and i do agree with you with the dialogue there's lots of like memorable scenes so I, I do really like that scene where Jason Schwartzman is addressing his kids about like uh, his mother dying and you know going on about how the 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 relativity of time and how they like they can't understand really they can't even conceptualize really what's going on and but again I feel like it's it's quite an emotional uh, setup and setting but it's like I'm not feeling it from what they're saying or communicating mm-hmm. it feels like yeah. it's, it's more interested in being kind of quirky and funny on that note. There is kind of a point where I thought maybe it was going to kind of switch up and kind of deliver some more like emotional thing with the, uh, the Scarlett Johansson character. Um, she kind of makes out she's had a bit of a disturbed past and there's that shot where she's like in, in the bath, like yeah. over playing dead. I was like, Oh, is, is this, Oh, are they like changing up? Is, is she this? actually dead? Yeah. But it's yeah. like, no, it's another kind of gag. Um, yeah. 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 I feel like that would have been like a little too morbid for the movie. But yeah, I saw um, like this with a few friends of mine. One of them had never seen a Wes Anderson movie. And they were trying, they were kind of like you. They were trying to find the meaning in it. But to me, like, I think what I really like about the movie too, it's kind of like, it's tied in our discussion with um, Birdman, where I, I like movies about artists and about how they like express themselves and how it's very personal to them. And this is very much like a movie about that. Like this, this framing where it's about these actors, like embodying their characters and this writer, like writing something very personal to him. And I, I think 
ultimately it's a movie about that. It's a movie about art and how artists like have this relationship to their work. And that really resonated with me. And that felt very like personal to Wes Anderson too. Like I like films that are very personal as well. Well, like, yeah, I see the quirky bits, but there's also a lot to be said about like thematically what he's saying about art and about, you know, actors and writers and their connection to it. And I, I really did find that, you know, very poignant. Honestly, I, I really like that stuff. Yeah, um, I did. T- yeah, it, it, it comes together for me in that third act, but I was more hung up just on, on the flow of it during that, that first. I was, I found it really like slow and kind of clunky to get mm-hmm. moving. Um, I don't know how yeah. that would feel on a rewatch, but like I really was just like, as soon as I was getting like absorbed in a scene, then it would do the, you know, the title card act. Da, 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 dot, da, da. Then I feel like, oh, it's like re- it's resetting all this momentum all the time. Um, mm. and has to just keep rebuilding it up. Um, I really like that though. I thought that helped with the pacing. <laughs> but mm. I feel like we're just going to disagree on like a lot yeah, of, yeah. it's a no, very divisive, I think it's a very divisive movie. This one's like, you either think it's okay or you hate it. I also really appreciate that like this is coming out like around the flash and like all these big blockbusters. Like it's, it's such a different movie for that kind of audience, you know? And it, it seemed like they yeah. did most enjoy it there were some walkouts i think or some people who weren't as engaged but for the most part like to have like this weird movie with like this abstract kind of bizarro humor and also like it cuts from black and white like four by three to like color and like all these interesting stylistic things i really like that an audience is like being exposed to that kind of movie and that this movie did really well i mean like i said it's doing better than the flash wes anderson has has built a like a big enough fan base that he can just release something and people will watch it. Like people are watching it because his name's on it. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people that are watching this film that don't know that it's a Wes Anderson film. So yeah, by Mm. extension him, I guess being able to like, if Christopher Nolan decided to make some weird fucking art house thing that didn't make any sense, you get a lot of people exposed to that because a lot of people are just going to watch the Christo- next Christopher Nolan movie, right? Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. even just being in the indie crowd, is one of few directors that does have that name recognition that people actually look forward to in terms of what they're going to watch from certain directors. I really feel as though I, I, I wanted something more out of this film. And I, I, I like what it was doing... Again, with the alien stuff, I like what it was doing with the, like the meta quirky narrative <laughs> stuff. But I, d- out of all the films that I love in my life and all of the films that I am excited to go back and rewatch to, to dig into and get more layers out of interpretations and, you know, what, what is the intention of it being presented in this way or what are you trying to say about art, et cetera, et cetera. All of those films are ones where I'm kind of excited to go back and watch them. And whereas this one, it's like, okay, by the time I feel like watching this one again, I don't know if I'll still be retaining enough about it that it wouldn't be like a first viewing again. So I'm excited to hear what other people have to say about it. If you got anything interesting in terms of like interpretations of this movie, feel free to leave a comment below because I will read those. But yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah. I find myself kind of like appreciating aspects about it more than I'm actually enjoying it, and even then, it's just kind of right. Like, what really gravitates me toward it too. I, I really like the pacing of it. I feel it's really tight and it's really short. Like when it was over, I was like, "That's over." Like the whole movie flew by for me. It was so tight and everything. Like there's, I don't think there's any fat to be trimmed from it. Really, it was such like an enjoyable, funny experience to me. 
And yeah, I just thought it was very funny. Like, I'm, I'm shocked you guys don't think it's as funny as I, but I thought it was fucking hilarious, honestly. Like, the whole movie. I love the Episcopalian line, like, uh, we, you know, don't pray to God, we're Episcopalian. Or, like, there's like a lot of little great, especially in that first act, I felt. Like, I loved a lot of, like, the dialogue in this movie. I felt he's really excelled as a writer. Like, his style, he's got down. Like, you know, the, the framing of everything, the symmetrical framing and the color. It's immaculate in, like, all of his, like, in a lot of his movies, but especially after, like, Grand Budapest or whatever. But this one had really great writing, I felt. Really tight. It doesn't waste any time. It gets to, like, its point in a very, um, I don't know. It's all very patient as well. Like, it, it takes a while to get to that point, like, about the artists and so on, but mm-hmm. I feel like once it does, I was really engrossed in, like, what was happening, and yeah, re- really that humor, like, that comedy kept me going through the whole thing. It's a very funny movie, and it's a very enjoyable movie, and clearly, you know, not everyone's gonna agree with that, like, my dad saw the movie, I'm like, because we saw French Dispatch together, he lives in Florida, I'm like, go see it on your own, you know, let me know what you think, and he fell asleep, he's like, I don't know, it was good cast, right. but he fell asleep, but, like, this one... <laughs> Like, I don't know. I just really connected to this one. I feel like there's, like, other Wes Anderson movies people might connect to more. But everyone has, like, their own Wes Anderson that they kind of like. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I prefer him, yeah, like, yeah. going super wacky, making it super short, making it something so out there that it's its own. It's clearly its own world. And it's not trying to, like, appeal to anybody. Like, this is a very weird film to me. This is a very odd movie to release in, like, the summertime. But it, that's kind of what I love about it, too. It's it's so out there. It's so weird. The pacing is, like, fast, and the characters are so cold and distant. But at the same time, you know, there are those, like, emotional moments where the, you, there's, like, this like this humanity comes out of them. And it makes, like, almost the distance of it makes those, like, little moments more impactful for me. With, like, her in the bathtub or, like, just little lines of dialogue like here and there that like really like oh i actually get this character i also want to mention like this is the first movie without bill murray that is made i think it's his first Mm. movie without bill murray Mm. and instead of bill murray it's uh tom hanks yeah because bill murray had covid at the time he had covid so he couldn't do the movie so they got tom hanks instead i thought tom hanks was fantastic in the movie you know, it's funny, like, every great actor in the movie, or every great actor in the world basically wants to, like, be in his movies and work with mm-hmm. him. Like, there's yeah. a lot of great, like, supporting actors and uh, Maya Hawks in the movie and who's the guy? He kind of, I thought it was Orlando Bloom. I'm going to look up his act. <laughs> I'm going to look up the actor's oh, the, name. The but cowboy I, guy. Uh, yeah. Um, I know who you mean. Uh, Rupert Friend? Friend? Is that his name? Friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What we know from... Yeah, he was very funny. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, Death of Stalin, Hitman, Agent 47. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're probably right, yeah. I mean, you know, Jason Schwartzman's in all of his movies, yeah, you know. But, yeah, I, great cast, very funny. Sophia Lillis, you know, Margot Robbie in a brief role. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, like, in terms of humor, this lands for me just as well as any other Wes Anderson film, but it's just, it, it doesn't sell the whole movie for me. Yeah, sure. You know, there's more, there's more to Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom and Fantastic Mr. Fox than just the humor and the style. And it was interesting watching this and kind of, I guess, coming to terms with just how that's basically what's missing. Like, I feel as though the tone of his films and the humor and the style lends itself really well 
to stories where I care about the characters and their goals. And they're clearly defined from the beginning or close to the beginning of the film. And we get to watch like a narrative adventure play out. Like I feel as though that's where his style really shines is being added as the icing on that type of story. And it's not like, okay, you have to tell the same exact story every time. But I just found myself not really having much of a hook until over halfway through. I will also point out I don't know if this is just like maybe I've watched maybe this is like the straw that broke the camel's back and this is like the we've just hit the one too many Wes Anderson movies that I've watched but I feel like there is something particularly unique about the soundtrack in this film that just irritated the fuck out of me because it's the same two notes over and over and it goes and sure there's like some chord progressions in the background that change but like with how repetitive it was and how often they used it i was i was losing my goddamn mind after a certain point and it's you know it sounded reminiscent and similar to other things that uh, other soundtracks and other films that he's made so maybe this is just the straw that broke the camel's back i guess but like i swear this this film in particular it was it needed a bit more variation and it needed to be just a bit less repetitive audio wise for me personally yeah, I never really noticed the music necessarily. Something I noticed, I thought the movie was like pretty quiet, which I thought was like maybe part of like that desert setting. Like it's supposed to feel kind of like maybe ominous and mm-hmm. very, yeah. uh, you know, distant or in some way maybe. But there's like some licensed music in the movie. I didn't even really notice it like for most of the film, probably playing on the radio or so on. But I like the uh, original tracks they, they played for the movie too like the freight train song i was like mm-hmm. singing that to myself on the way home freight train freight train like i don't yeah, know yeah. i, I like the music in the movie for the most part it didn't really take me out of it i didn't even really notice it honestly which is i think that's a good thing like for the most part like if the if it feels so organic that it's just like part of the experience i, I tend to like that more i like the dancing roadrunner <laughs> yeah the good puppet yeah just a nice mix of uh styles yeah. too because it does have yeah the miniatures it's got the stop motion i like the kids uh song when the kid sings yeah, that song yeah. in class about the alien i thought that was very funny yeah mm. a lot of good funny parts especially when that alien shows up yeah like the stop motion effects there are great and you know he's made stop motion movies before mm-hmm. he's made animated movies like yeah. the animated segment and um in french dispatch french like that dispatch, little animatics yeah. that's one of my favorite parts of it yeah but like yeah, it's just the way he like incorporated it into this movie, and it and it fits really well. I thought that was like really great. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Bill Murray COVID thing because I felt like that was like a big chunk of the movie, the inspiration at least. Like because the the characters are basically put in lockdown after they meet the alien, and one True. of the best gags is when the alien comes back, um, and they they announce they got to go straight back into lockdown, and then they all kind of just freak out, you know, um. Mm-hmm. So that, that felt like that one of the things he was trying to say in a more clever way without making the whole movie about COVID or whatever necessarily, but just having some of that, those feelings, that frustration, they're all in their own little cabins and they're all kind of restrained to their space. And yeah, I did like oh, that. Yeah. I didn't really pick up on that, but yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I feel like I want to watch this movie again because it was so fun. And that I will And yeah, like to pick up on these little things. Yeah. I, I love this movie. I thought it was one of my favorites I've seen from him, especially recently. Yeah, this this one's really great. It might make my top ten by the end of the year. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about that. Actually, that, that this is mm, like cool. Is it a five star? Um, if we're getting into ratings, I'd give it. You know, fuck it. I'm gonna give it four and a half. Fuck it. 
Fuck yeah. Like Willa in succession. I fucking, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, Wes Anderson, you know, do more weird shit like this. <laughs> I fucking yeah. love this movie. I thought it was really well done, honestly. I guess, yeah, I guess where I kind of differ a little bit is I keep thinking about in the French Dispatch, there's one of the segments is about the artist in prison, right? Um, and that's like saying a lot about the concept of art and he's a bit more of like a meta commentary on all that kind of stuff. And that like really hit for me. And that's been like a, I, I think about that sequence a lot. It's like a really memorable part of that movie to me. And I think it's saying a lot and communicating a lot. Not that this one isn't. I just feel like it's in, in that small space of the French dispatch where it's kind of making a similar point. It's just like way more eloquent to me and told in a kind of, you know, a, a smaller package. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't get over the, the beginning of the movie, man. It was. I was really like struggling to, yeah. to like pay attention um, mm-hmm. until that that hook came in with the alien. I was like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's more going on here. Maybe there's more yeah, to how, say. Uh, yeah, like how you feel about the opening of this movie is how I feel about the Timothy Chalamet segment in French Dispatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, the rest of the movie's yeah. great, but that that one segment was like, oh, it's like Harold and Maude, just a lot less like interesting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, I uh, I kind of feel overall the same way about the French Dispatch and Asteroid City. I feel like the highs are probably higher in French Dispatch for me, but uh, same. it's just inconsistent. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, Asteroid City's probably, probably got a better payoff. It probably, yeah. I don't know. It's I'm really torn on this one, to be honest. Like, the more we talk about it, the more I hear, like, a, I do agree with what you're saying. It just, I, I just really wanted more of an emotional response from this because like yeah i remember like feeling a lot during yeah the that's fine don't feel like for, so you know movies, like you yeah, need to like, like it <laughs> no no like, yeah i wouldn't yeah. lie um uh-huh. but it is just like every every frame is is beautiful you know like it is it's just impeccably put together um mm-hmm. but yeah i do yeah there's just something just slightly yeah. off about this one sorry it's just like one little thing i noticed too i just like remembered like they, they go to like that diner there and there's the menu like on the wall the menu has like a thousand items on that and i'm like yeah. it's it's so detailed like you could tell like they actually wrote that out like every little thing on it but it's only it's only in the movie for like a second but i just love that attention to detail in it like oh this this whole fucking board but it's like you know, it's such like a quick visual gag, but they clearly put a lot of like work into that. And I, I really appreciate that attention to detail. Yeah, sorry. Um, did you give your rating? <laughs> yeah. 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 The detail is like, it's so immaculate, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost, it's immaculate to the point where it's almost inhuman, which I don't know if that's like the point with like the whole alien angle and the desert. And because I remember reading something about like the way he writes and makes his movies is like with, with the storyboarding, he'll often, uh, He'll do Wes, Wes Anderson himself will like record how he wants the like line, the cadence of like the dialogue to flow and whatnot. And I can't help but like just see, he's like such a strong voice and has such a strong style. It's almost like the actors aren't even playing characters, they're all like Wes Anderson at a certain point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I probably will have to revisit this because of how torn I am, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely revisit it, but yeah. As far as a rating, though, yeah, um, this is just this is like three and a half star, like mm-hmm. a seven out of ten for me. Um, it did, I was kind of won over by the end, but man, it was yeah, kind of a rougher ride to get to that conclusion. Yeah, I. Um, what's weird about this movie is I, 
most of it felt immaculate, although I will kind of nitpick a tiny bit near the beginning. There were like more than one of those like, you know, spinning shot transitions where it's like you do like a really quick 90 degree pivot. And in this yeah. film in particular, compared to like his other films, you could notice the cut. <laughs> like I noticed the cut watching in theaters, like in, at least twice in this one where I, I was thinking like, okay, his other movies, I don't notice that cut. It's more smooth. So I don't know. The rest of it's, you know, really, really well made, immaculate, just a tiny little thing I noticed. Um, but yeah, I'm giving this one a six out of 10 for now. We'll see how I feel about it on a second watch. And mm. I'm going to piss my pants if I don't leave right now. So I will be right back. Yeah, I got I to piss bad too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah let's take a little break. <laughs> I've been holding it for like fucking five yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's like, yeah. Back. Yeah, okay. I did have one thing I wanted to bring up, right? Um, to do with Wes Anderson, not specifically Asteroid City necessarily. But did you guys see anything about this, uh, this TikTok trend? Um, like Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson became a trend. Um, and this, <gasps> there was this video going around, I guess a TikTok going around of this woman being like, man, imagine uh, committing your whole life to making these films and then people just perfectly imitate it and do better than you as, no. as a TikTok trend. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just cause like people are like, they're making TikToks where they have symmetry and they have pastel colors. Yeah. Like, Look, that's we, all we it is to them. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah go fucking yeah, do it yeah. then go fucking do it make make yeah. a bunch of money god yeah that pissed me off seeing that like yeah <laughs> just to reduce it down to the most surface like those level. those ai generated like lord of the rings and wes anderson style yeah it's like oh that, yeah this looks like popular, such shit yeah they're like soulless yeah uh-huh completely soulless yeah no, mm. i just wanted to mention that Mm-hmm. How annoying it is that's for like um because i've seen youtubers get upset because like so they they you know their voices are like replicated on ai things and then mm-hmm. people make videos like with their voice or whatever but at the end of the day you're never gonna like be able to replicate their writing style you know or like how they like put together a video which is what makes me like okay like someone might be able to ai generate my voice but they can't like mimic my editing or my writing style my comedy you know so it gives me like some faith in that like they're not going to be able to do that quite yet maybe at this point maybe in the future i don't know but yeah, give it yeah. 20 years maybe <laughs> interesting conversation yeah yeah all right i guess uh i guess mm-hmm. this is the film discussion part we we also yee yee by edward yang a one and a two is the subtitle. This film came out when, like, yee ass haircut. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> two thousand uh, came out. Two thousand, yeah, right? The year two thousand. Yeah, it's on Criterion. Yep. A bunch of people love Edward Yang. I think this was his last feature. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people people talk really highly about this one and also a brighter summer day. I chose to do this one on the podcast because a brighter summer day is like four hours. <laughs> I was like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what I should start with, but. Yeah, it's a. Uh, how do I describe the plot? There's a. This will be a spoiler discussion. There's a uh, family in uh, Taiwan, and their grandmother goes into a coma, and it's about relationships. And uh, there's some there's some drama, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like a like a slice of life, you know, interesting portrayal of you know. Just, Normal, but not so normal things, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
it's like um like that movie we discussed with Karsten, like Wendy and Lucy, like trying to mimic like real life mm. or that kind of tone. Like yeah, uh, naturalistic, uh, yeah. What's that? We had another guest on when we talked about men. Um the movie men. <laughs> I'm always talking about men. That <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, tro. Yeah, that was sorry. Uh, oh, okay. And no was nobody's fool. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I I feel as though I want to watch it a second time to like fully absorb what it was, especially with the pacing of it, and especially with, you know, the sequence of events over the course of the film, because mm. from an artistic standpoint in terms of uh presentation, like damn, this is some fucking incredible yeah. acting, like especially child acting and like writing child characters and making them look and appear and behave natural and realistic and the way things are shot and there was some kind of like you know interesting visual motifs that were pretty recurring throughout the the film a lot of like frames and windows and reflections and like you know seeing things from the outside versus the inside or seeing the reflection of something and it's like okay this film is definitely trying to say things and i didn't exactly look into every interpretation of what the film had to offer but to be honest on this watch, I was, you know, there's so much about it that I loved, but in terms of my personal experience, like it was kind of losing me in the last 30, 60 minutes or whatever, kind of like was mm, hoping really? for a bit more okay. at that point. That's fine. I, I actually felt it got like better as it went along. Mm-hmm. Like I got yeah, more engaged in I, it. I've, I've mm-hmm. read, yeah, a lot of feedbacks kind of agreeing with you, Adam, more than yeah. people found it difficult towards the end but i'm kind of like the complete inverse to me it Mm -hmm. was more like the first half an hour or so trying to figure out like okay there's like a lot being established here like who who am i like focusing on here like what is the scope of this what Mm -hmm. is what is happening here um but of course yeah it's about an entire family and kind of two or three different generations of that family and all of the kind of branching stories that attach to these people. And as right. I kind of figured out as it was like the threads that were being set up and expanded upon, and you, you do get to spend more time with certain characters and they flesh them out. And these, yeah, these fun people come in and out and there's just this, the dialogue is really what kind of kept me going. It's like really thoughtful um, and delicate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what, yeah, like it just got better as it went along for me. Sorry, I've heard it described as like an epic from like stuff I was reading, even though mm-hmm. it's like a family drama. But yeah, I'd agree with like the whole, because it's so long, you know, it's so yeah, kind of complicated. Um, I, I struggled with this movie a bit because I was with you, like, especially in that first hour, I found it kind of frustrating. Like, what is this movie mm-hmm. like trying to do? What is it trying to say? It's like focus, it's like cutting around between all these different characters. But usually when I struggle with a movie like that, I just read like what other people have said about it. Um, and I looked at the Roger Ebert review and he, he gave it, uh, three and a half stars, which for him is like a, you know, it's like a nine out of ten or whatever. But I, I really yeah. liked his review and I'm gonna jump in, I'm gonna jump around his review a sure. bit. But I feel like I'm essentially driving home his point, which is, this is what he said. He said, many mainstream American films are impatient, our films have little time for thought, and our characters are too often superficial for their decisions to have any meaning. They're just plot points. Mm. And so, like, I think to his point, the slow pace with this movie can make it kind of frustrating, but it did win me over eventually, because you do actually start to see these characters as people with their own like lived lives mm-hmm. and it makes like those dramatic moments like more impactful like there's like the 
Are we talking spoilers already? I feel like we might yeah, as well. Yeah. The movie's been... Yeah. yeah like, yeah. It, the, the, like, suicide attempt, like, halfway through the movie, maybe. Like, that was a really well-done scene. And it wasn't really... Because I feel like you, there's so many ways that movie that scene could go wrong, and it could be very corny. But that was really well handled, I thought. It was very tasteful, and it was very, like, surprising and impactful how they presented it. Um... And, and, you know, there's, there's a variety of reasons for that, like the way it's shot and how they cut around it. Like you don't, you know, there's not like that shot where she opens the door and you like see him lying there. Oh my God. It's, it's very like tasteful and you see her panicking. And even before that scene happens, you know, like what's wrong, you know, almost like that when he walks into his apartment and there's like that hopeless kind of glare toward the floor. Like you see like, Oh, there's it, like repeating it's all over. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it gives you hints of what's to come, and it, it, it. I really like a movie that treats its audience like it's intelligent and can figure these things out on their own, and that that's like a great example of a scene I felt where you you know what's going to happen, but they the way they drag out that suspense and that tension that really worked for me, and that's really when the movie won me over because before that I was like the stuff with the kid is great, it's very funny. It's clearly supposed to be funny. Like, that's, like, the most lighthearted stuff in the movie. Very charming, yeah. Yeah, but then, like, the rest of it, I'm like, I found kind of frustrating. But once it got to that moment, I, I really, it really did win me over at that moment. And from that point on, it was basically hooked in the movie. And it's such a long movie, you know? I like to watch movies all at once. I can imagine people watching this movie in chunks because it's, like, three hours long. But I really like to watch yeah. a movie, like, all at once. And and that's when yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm actually, like, enjoying like watching this movie from this point on it was very satisfying i felt where it went and how it like handled all these characters and and just the comedy in it too like i harp on like movies being funny or whatever but it is a very funny movie um even without like what's his name the kid yang ying yang <laughs> what, mm-hmm. like whatever his name is um yeah, i really yeah. liked the yeah i really liked the scenes without him even like later on like when uh you know, that lady comes in from, they, they used to be like in high school together or something and they, they all start yelling at each other and they start fighting and whatever. And they just cut to like the father character in this movie, like standing there with his present. Like that was really funny. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. I really liked the, the comedic beats of the movie too, which is important in a movie like this that is, you know, so dry and so dark and almost feels kind of distant in a way with like how it's framed in certain points. And there's, it's all about like the, the visual out allegory of everything the visual metaphor like the scene where he's in the office and there's the birds like walking like going around the office and the bird goes on like one of the co-workers shoulders and you're like oh what does that mean does what does it represent mm. it's important to balance that out with like really good comedy really funny scenes and i feel like this movie really did deliver on that like i would actually recommend this movie for people to see who even mm-hmm. don't necessarily like a movie like this. And I see like why it's so highly regarded in that way. Cause it yeah. is very funny at points and very charming. Well, and there's a kind of through line with each, each one of these major characters where there is this really strong, interesting expression and commentary on, on art, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the little boy, he gets into photography and he has that whole kind of thing of taking the pictures of, uh, the backs of people's heads um that's more of like a comedic slump but then mm-hmm. there's the more thoughtful thing going on with his dad it was it was the dad character that really kind of was the main hook for me that was getting me engaged really? earlier mm-hmm. on yeah i found that really done, uh interesting um but i'll get into that more in a second uh but he has, has this whole thing with this uh japanese businessman he keeps talking to and he's talking about 
because uh, they have to speak in English because of the language barrier and they're talking about like music and he has this whole arc where because he's this kind of he's like middle-aged he doesn't really know what he's doing with his life he's he's like an engineer and he has this old fling that he's kind of reconnecting with and he doesn't know really where he is and this whole like business dynamic that he winds up kind of snapping over the phone um, to one of his associates about like how this is how brutal and ruthless like the industry he's in is and how upsetting it is to him and then the daughter character they have that great scene after they go see the movie and they're kind of talking about like what movies are to them and she's more of like a i just like this one thing but the the boy well he's not the uh, boyfriend at the time or um it's kind of the friend of uh the boyfriend of one of her friends um yeah and he's talking about the the range of emotions movies can be and talking more broadly about it and it is a delicate thing because it it might sound like they're just kind of communicating bluntly uh like mm-hmm. what the movie's trying to say but it, it is communicated through like this yeah this delicate dialogue that does feel like something people would naturally bring up or talk about and yeah it's just delicate enough to not be too heavy-handed and it does feel naturalistic and real um yeah 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 i absolutely uh, loved the the scenes with the the japanese businessman and and the dad um i especially loved that one with the uh the magic scene um, where he calls him a good man and um it's like it's like a really perfect it's, it's an impeccable scene um as far as like how it's paced and where it begins and ends um with that guy kind of peeking in at the end asking who who won thinking it's like gambling and feeding into the whole like business side of it because he he's trying to settle a deal with the the japanese company and it's all just it all just winds up being like this fruitful like nothing event um and it, yeah it kind of feeds into what that dad character's going through where he he doesn't know where he stands and he's, he's trying to find some meaning and what he's doing and yeah i found i found that character to have a lot of depth and like a lot going on with him yeah um yeah adam what do you what do you think well, I, I think that, I think that, like, what, this is a movie that, like, even if I'm not fully absorbed into over the course of the entire film in terms of, like, what it's going for overall, like, it's something that I watch and it's like, okay, this is undeniably really, really well made and there's a lot about it that I love. I really like how believable the performances were. And this is one of those things where it's like, you can tell that it's, it, a lot of it is coming from good directing, not only just from the child performances being good, where it's like, okay, you have to have a competent director if you want to be able to direct a child properly, but also just how physical a lot of these performances were. There's quite a few shots where there's, you know, a huge amount of characters within the frame, and it's kind of just fun to just watch like just pick out a random character and just watch and see what they're doing. You know, like the guy standing up on, on the table with the jug of beer might be the implied focus of the shot. But you know, you look over your left, you can also look at the guy who's like struggling to stand up, who's, who just keeps resorting to like sitting back in his chair. And it's, it, yeah, th- those are things that I really love about directing yeah. and about film is like, yeah, you can create by your presentation you can create the illusion that it is a real world and these are real characters just by giving thought and attention and detail to those tiny things. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's really interesting because like the characters are really fleshed out and believable and you know you care about them, you care about what's going on, 
but I just felt like I guess I guess over the course of the film by like this at, at the end of the second hour I kind of already was like okay well I see what this is for the most part and I was not entirely sure that the entire three hours runtime was super justified. Also, I've been yeah. busy as fuck. You know, I was just at my brother's wedding and like scrambling to catch <laughs> up on shit. Like after that, I was kind of fitting in this movie the only time I could. And I was already working the entire day, like before I started watching it. And so like, perhaps I was just like kind of in the wrong mindset or environment or just like state of mind to like fully absorb everything. I have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to marinate on this movie. Yeah, yeah, I had that feeling with this too because I just watched it last night and I'm like, I didn't know how long it was. I'm like, oh god, this three hour movie and it's like so complicated, you know, like the themes of it. It's very, it's a very dense movie. Not yeah. to quote George Lucas or whatever, but like, it's a very, it's a lot of stuff going <laughs> on like, in the film, and yeah. it's like, it, it's easy for a movie like this, like when you're talking about it for a podcast and you have to watch it, it's easy for it to feel like homework. I usually like to watch these movies kind of on my own, on my own time when I feel ready. For for it not that i can't like appreciate a movie like this but it does feel like kind of like homework because there's so much going on it's so long and mm-hmm. you know um but i still did really appreciate a lot about it like that opening you were saying that like adam about the opening like all those characters going it did feel like kind of like the godfather to me like mm-hmm. which you know the opening of the godfather mm-hmm. is like a big wedding scene and this movie starts with like a big party i really i feel it's a great way to start a movie because it's like a lot of energy a lot of extras like going around and is a lot of like complicated stuff going on with like the the blocking and so on and i really like the incorporation of like balloons in this movie which Mm -hmm. they establish like in that scene there's like all Mm -hmm. the balloons and people popping them and then later on in the movie you know it's about the 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 kid there is trying to like fill the water balloon and then drop it on his his uh crush or whatever but then it drops on the teacher it's like Mm -hmm. balloons are like constantly a part of the movie and it's even in the poster of the movie you see the balloons and i that was very interesting like this maybe there's something metaphorical going on there like there's a lot going on with this like with birds and with balloons like things that kind of like propel or you know go into the sky like maybe representing hope or something like that like um like adam already said with the kind of a lot of uh use of like reflection and glass Mm -hmm. and mirrors there are some incredible shots that frame things like that or um some more like claustrophobic shots. I remember indoors where a character will be framed in like just the the smallest slit, um, like a claustrophobic thing kind of, um, especially for that mother character who isn't in much of the movie, but she's got some powerful scenes because she kind of goes off to a a Buddhist retreat, I think. Um, And that was the only like a uh, technical thing I noticed was I think there's in a really great scene with her where she's like breaking down crying and it is one of these mirror shots. I'm pretty sure in the top left of the mirror, I saw the, the mic kind of just come in for like a tiny second. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. It means something. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, the performance was probably a good enough shot. They didn't want to can it just for that one tiny thing, but Yeah. That was like a, just a tiny nitpick. Yeah. Well, George Lucas, it. We can edit mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, exactly. Just do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I felt, I felt that like while I'm consciously watching this film and being like, okay, I like these characters. I like how realistically they're being portrayed. 
even though I don't feel like every single set piece and every single moment that they show of every character doing everything was necessary for what they were trying to say overall, it still felt justified in the sense that the longer you spend with them, the more it feels like they're actually consistently building their character. The more you get an envi- a, a sense of yeah. atmosphere for the environment and the tone and the universe. Like, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily entirely justified, for my opinion, just just to be building on that narratively, it was at least building on it in terms of tone and in, in terms of like the overall feel of the film, which I, I guess I more or less got entirely by the two hour two and a half hour mark but yeah it it, for the most part it felt it felt nice that it was always constantly building on something yeah yeah i agree and um you know like initially i felt like the way the film was shot feels kind of cold at least to me there wasn't a lot of energy to the camera work it's like a lot of static shots and Mm -hmm. i don't even mean that as a criticism necessarily because there's a point i actually really got like invested in the movie because of those choices like um, there's a scene where it's like the daughter's friend there. She's like alone in the shop and then a soldier like comes in to like say hi to his friends after like going on tour, you know? So he's like saying hello for the first time. And in her mind, she like, she doesn't see that he's a soldier at that point. So she's just like, shut up. This isn't your place. Cause she's like kind of frustrated about her own relationships and so on. And just like the, the way that was framed is like, I don't know, you can see that, like, she was kind of in the wrong because she didn't realize the situation that was going on behind her, but you also understand that, you know, they're being kind of obnoxious, and just like that that framing was very, the way they presented that whole scene, it doesn't really take sides, and it's not really very manipulative, Yeah. and I like movies that aren't very manipulative in that way, like, even with the music, it's mostly diegetic music, it's not very, um like, manipulative in that way either with the music, and... Those are those are choices I do like really appreciate in certain movies. And yeah, that's that's the advantage of those um those static shots. After a while, there's another really good one um where they're by the elevator and the guy who um he's like locked out of his apartment, or whatever, and he's just in his shorts and he's like hiding from people sneaking in and out. And yeah, it, yeah, it just gives the actors like a good chunk of time to just act. You know, like no BS, like mm-hmm. no manipulation, as you're saying. It's like it's quite frank. Um, and it, yeah, it takes a while to get going and to sort of settle and understand like what it's doing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really like hooked me in at a certain point. And by the end, it felt like a very complete, um, kind of emotional story, like saying a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Movies like this are just so challenging, you know, it's like hard to like rate them or make sense of them on a first viewing for me. <laughs> But I, I did get a lot out of it. And I do really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, even though I did find it challenging and I find obviously challenging movies are very challenging to, to watch and to dissect. And that's why I read up on all these things and like trying to find the meaning of it and like reading other critics and like what they thought of it and, and just like, yeah, I don't know. I did really appreciate the movie. Um, maybe I don't connect with it entirely. Um, maybe some of the stuff with the daughter I felt was like not interesting to me. Maybe I felt the movie was a bit too long. Um, and that's like, it's just kind of the thing with like Letterbox. Like I use that site a lot and like this is one of the highest rated movies on there. I think it's like number 12. And that, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, like kind of peer pressure to like a certain movie like this, yeah. you know? 
Like, oh, this is one of the greatest movies. And if you don't like it, then you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And I've gotten that before from like certain discussions of like movies, but like maybe at the time I was like, uncomfortable talking about it or going through some things or you know if it's like sandwiched in between a discussion about shark tail or whatever <laughs> you know it's like this is an odd movie to talk about but i i do really appreciate this movie i think there's a lot of excellent things about it especially the the technical side of it which i can really latch on to and like the filmmaking i think that's really well done um in this case and yeah i did actually really like the movie and i liked a lot of the characters and the things are going on. I do wish it was shorter though. I do wish it was just a tad shorter. Um, just so I, I don't know. I, I just like get to the more emotional beats like a bit quicker. And yeah. there's, there's like certain scenes I could cut out, but you know, it's, it's, it's mainly, it's mainly a minor thing. I just, I'm really a stickler for pacing and, uh, that kind of thing. But I did really enjoy the movie. That was the kind of cool thing I found about that daughter character where it's kind of the plot thread with the the most escalation like i wasn't expecting it to go to the places it does like including Mm -hmm. like a whole murder and the whole Mm -hmm. way that kind of transpires is yeah it kind of gives her story like a bit more bit more meat by the end um and the way it it does trickle out is quite it kind of stays uh rooted to her perspective um and yeah, it gives it like quite an interesting angle here in the police station, kind of finding out these details on the TV and it recontextualizes previous arguments and scenes with these same characters. And there is like a real darkness to that storyline. Um, but yeah, is, is, is a fun balance compared to the, the little boy character who is kind of like the more lighthearted, um, angle. But even then that has its emotional kind of bookend with, um, the, the the nano's funeral um and him having his his speech there that's it's like a beautifully written like poem basically mm-hmm. um yeah just delivered by this little kid um and yeah there's just there's just so many great character moments um when the parents reunite when she's back from the retreat and you know when he's saying even if i was given a second chance i wouldn't need it and the whole kind of section with him uh, meeting up with his ex and them kind of bickering and talking through everything that went wrong with them and him kind of bearing his heart to her but also not betraying his relationship with his wife it's like a yeah it's like a really elegantly put together bunch of uh like character drama moments that's like it is an epic like i'm glad you brought that up because that is that is kind of how it comes across by the end is epic in scope yeah. And I think I think it really does come together by the end. Just one second. Boyfriend's rummaging around in the room for something. Do you need something? Oh, you, uh, yeah, I don't think it's in here. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. Love you. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> it's like all these cliche Italian things. <laughs> Speaking, yeah, there, there was a there was a moment in the film that kind of stuck out to me. <laughs> it's like th- that fucking guy who was saying like, "Oh, movies they actually add three times to your life because the experiences that you watch in movies are real experiences that you get. We all know what it's like to kill someone because we've seen it in a movie." It's like. 
when <laughs> that line was just so dumb but i guess uh i guess then there was a murder in the movie so yeah foreshadowing Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I'd actually yeah. forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to find yeah, like the right. comedy in this like kind of discussion when the movie's like so, you know, it's not like bleak or anything. No, no, it's just like a it's no, a it good movie. It well. yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. You know, it's not like like when we talk about Valerian or whatever, like or like you know something like that. It's like oh, this, we could go on for hours about how funny and stupid it is or whatever. But this is like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good movie. I picked up on a lot. I definitely noticed the the themes and so on. There's a lot more to dissect on like a second viewing. Yeah. It might be a while till I watch it again, honestly, because it's so long. But I did really, you know, again, I appreciate I would, it. I would be down for a second watch. Yeah, I did appreciate it. And yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. I think it might actually flow better a second time, to be honest, because yeah, yeah. you know what it's yeah. going for now. Now that I know... Now that I know like what it is and like what its goals are, yeah, yeah definitely. Because it, yeah. it was kind of frustrating in that beginning part. Like it's cutting between all these different characters. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like this, like and there's, yeah, there's like <laughs> you know, no this focus is so much stuff at first. Yeah, it's uh-huh. just broadly a family, you know. And it's like, oh, well, right, yeah. but it does kind of come together. Yeah, and, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely felt that way. Yeah, even with, we even without like a distinct focus at the, at the beginning, I think that there was enough for me to like kind of notice and read into about like characters that that was just enough for me to chew on, and also like just the visual choices, like like really close to the beginning of the film, like the guy's like carrying the wedding, like the blown up wedding photo, and then you know he's asked to do something, and then because he's distracted, he like puts it upside down, and I'm like, okay, that's a really you know, like yeah. the inverse, the upside down sort of wedding photo is like, okay, that's clearly saying something, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So there were there were nice things to just be able to like chew on throughout the film. But yeah, I I will I will definitely do a second watch on this one. But yeah, for now I'm just I'm kind of just like, oh yeah, it's a really great movie and I appreciate it, but I just didn't absorb as much as I possibly could have on it. Maybe just due to like limited time, like Maybe I could have watched this a second time if I watched it for the first time a week ago, but I was just—I've just been so fucking busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where I've had a good like five, six days to marinate on this, and mm-hmm. yeah, I—I I just keep thinking about it a lot. Um, I'd happily watch this again. Okay, well, for now, I'm giving this one a seven out of ten. That might change in the future, but that uh, reflects my current feelings about it. Hmm. Alex? Yeah, for me, this is, this is a strong, uh, four and a half star, nine out of ten. Um, beep, beep, beep. with you guys, it's slow to get going and figure out what it's doing. But yeah, I was kind of in love with this by the end. Um, I'm a sucker for that kind of that sensitive dialogue that, you know, saying a lot. Um, but without it just feeling like it's just the director speaking through every character that just feels like real people communicating and this whole reunion aspect and the different generations in a beginning with a wedding and ending with a funeral and yeah it never feels corny or tacky to me um mm. yeah I think it's quite quite an achievement i'm i think i'm more with alex it's not as strong of a four and a half stars it's maybe more like a like a four point three <laughs> out of five stars or <laughs> yeah, something yeah. something like that um, but I, I think it's great. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I think I, if I saw it again, like more on my own time, I think I'd really love it. Um, 
But yeah, I really did enjoy the movie. I thought it was, it definitely got better for me as it went along. And yeah, I really connected to a lot of the technical stuff and the the storylines. And yeah, it's very funny at points. And yeah, it's an entertaining movie. I feel like even people who would be put off by this kind of movie would like it, you know. It's yeah, it seems like generally really well received. Like it doesn't Oh yeah. It's not like a divisive mm-hmm. movie or anything. A lot of people really yeah, love it. It's not like a pretentious artsy fartsy movie. I can understand why some people consider this to be like their favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I was I was feeling that at first with the you're saying about this this kind of expectation some of these movies have for like if you don't get on with this then blah blah blah. Um because that for that first like twenty, thirty minutes I was like, man, this like I, I, this is like stunning to look at, but I'm just not like where where is this going? What is this? Mm-hmm. You know. But like, yeah, it really did start connecting and building mm-hmm. up, and everything kind of fell into place for me after. Yeah, you've settled yeah. into that full three hours. I did watch it in one setting, uh, sitting, um, and yeah, yeah, it did it did completely win me over by the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, my changing right. my my experience with uh, like Jean Dielman changed a lot on my second watch. You know, fucking love that. Oh movie. yeah, that's true. True. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like understanding what you're getting into as you're watching it and being able to contextualize it more properly. And also, like, I don't know, there's yeah. exactly. there's certain, I guess, kind of what I was feeling watching this film is a lot of the movies that I enjoy that are really long, they have like a, they, I guess, I guess a lot of them have a bit more, what's the word? I guess, like, kind of showy moments in them like lav diaz is like a slow cinema director and one of his movies is like four and a half hours long and i'm shocked that i love that movie on a first watch and it's not like bam 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 everything's Mm. like happening right away it's a very slow burn but but the things that are happening like it's it's got like some interesting action and like some real stakes and drama and like some evil characters and like a murder and you know like all that stuff and it's i think it's a it's more exaggerated in terms of like you know how high things goes compared to something like like this right and i think that maybe i was expecting a bit more of of like an exaggerated or heightened version of stakes or drama or emotion um and you know watching this film Sure, there's a lot of it I love, but maybe I just had like the wrong expectations going into it. But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. see what it's like on the second one. No, that's that's interesting because like uh, a few weeks back, I rewatched Bo is Afraid. That's a three mm-hmm. hour long epic, and I adore that movie, man. Like it, it was it was better on a second time, great uh, second watch. You just pick up so much more. Yeah, I think we we've said it before. Like uh, sometimes uh, you haven't seen a movie till that that second watch. Honestly, yeah, sure. Yeah. I would argue most great movies you haven't. Or like any yeah. movie, yeah. really. Yeah. Like, like uh, Valerian. Maybe we should watch that again. <laughs> well, we did right. watch it more than once, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that was that's our second true. time. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. <laughs> I think I'm, yeah, I think I think I can say I don't need to watch Valerian ever again. I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. Go to my grave. I do not need to do that yeah. ever. Yeah. Ready for some questions? Yeah. Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the uh, suggestion thread on the subreddit if you want to leave questions for future episodes, like BBD4116 did. If you all had to rename your main YouTube channels, what would you call them? Hmm. YMS. 
<laughs> Instead of yourmoviesucks.org spelled out. Yeah. You could probably do that and be fine. Probably. I got the at, so why not? What's stopping me? I got like the, the new uh, channel URL thing, like the at YMS. I snagged that one. That was nice. I should I should rename my gaming channels. Those are just so fucking incomprehensible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, with the YMS game plays with it with an like, AZ. But I think someone else is already yeah. doing that, and then it's like, do I just show up being like, "That's my name"? <laughs> do I pull a meta? Who's got the Twitter at YMS? Who's got the Twitter? I looked know. up. Who's got it? Some yeah. fucking. Let's see. <laughs> do you have a letterboxed YMS? Is that the you? account doesn't exist? Like, should I? How do I take it? I don't know. It, I'm oh. asking: Is is the letterbox like you have a YMS letterbox? Is that you? Because I don't even know. I'm not. The on guy the claims to be you, at all. It's someone who just logs your IMDb scores, right? If it's active, it's not me. But I do. I I do own a letterbox that I don't post on. Oh, okay. So you ha- you do have one because I followed it. And I wasn't sure if it was you, okay. so I unfollowed it. But yeah, that I know I, the one you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I would change my channel name. Yeah, I would change my channel, you, my YouTube channel name to YMS. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> YMS plays or YMS gaming. That's what I'd yes. change it to. Yeah, that's my answer. I, don't know, I dislike everything. I kind of like my name. Oh, here's the problem: your username must be more than four characters long. Well, fuck you, Twitter. Go oh, fuck on t- yourself. On Twitter, really? Yeah. More than four characters long. Oh, so I couldn't even have IHE if I wanted it. YMS. Bullshit. S. Bullshit. I can't do a three-letter. Nope. Oh, you. That's just depressing. YMS and then dash dash. Fucking Blue Sky let me do YMS. <laughs> so I'm going to spend more time Blue there. Sky. Blue, Blue Sky, the next big thing. It's like Blue Sky Studios. It doesn't even matter if it's big. There's fucking furries on it. I'm happy. I'll just chill there. I don't care. <laughs> like, you know how drama free that website is? You go on and it's like, holy shit, people aren't arguing about everything. Well, yeah, they're all furries. Yeah. It's not all furries. There's a huge amount of <laughs> Not to say furries don't have drama, but like the fucking atmosphere on that website. Like, it, it, it's moving to different websites and seeing just how, like, not shitty a lot of these are it's like it's leading me to believe like how many of these on the major websites are just fucking bots how many of these people aren't even like real and it's just oh, like yeah. fucking that's a real twitter problem right yeah like the bot thing it's just like kids yeah children yeah, kids, and, bots. and now ai is involved too yeah double there bots. are ai twitter accounts that just reply to everything yeah mm, twitter's yeah. particularly bad like it's it's definitely gotten worse it definitely has with the whole verified it's thing. It's gotten much worse because now, like people yeah. who are like literally like Nazis have like a verified. Fucking yeah, apparently thing. there were like the other day there was a video going around of like a, a cat being like blended. It's like gore Whoa. stuff now. It's yeah. like fucking fortune now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy, man. I don't even know if that kind of stuff is on fortune. Twitter kind of used to be fun, like back in the day. Like it had kind of a fun atmosphere, but now it's all it's like the dunk platform. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that w- it used to be great. Mm-hmm. It used to, yeah. Make Twitter yeah. great again. No, don't, don't <laughs> make that my tagline. That is horrible. Before, yeah. yeah, everyone realized the potential of like algorithms that can uh, 
maximize engagement through fighting. Yeah. There was like this brief period where like it was diverse and people were funny, making good memes, good jokes and promoting good stuff, like good movies. Now, like especially film Twitter has gone like really bad. Like, I don't know if you've seen it's like very cancer. Yes. Yeah, awful. There's all these people dunking on the film mommy. Like, that movie's great, and they're, like, you know, posting the clip of, like, when he changes the aspect ratio or whatever. I, I don't mind spoiling the movie at this point, because it's been out for so long. <laughs> it's, sure, yeah. But, like, they, like, it's like, you know, that's a great scene, I thought. Like, maybe you disagree with the music drop at that point, but that's a great scene. That's a it great movie. A great it's, yeah. it's really hard. Like, I don't know why you're dunking on it. Like, I don't know. Like, because the director doesn't want to make movies anymore? Like, who gives a fuck? You know, (laughs) making movies is fucking hard. Like, I I get it. He started making movies when he's fucking young. Yeah. No, that's what I changed my YouTube channel name to, is I restore... Please restore the Snyderverse everything. (laughs) I've got this, like, secret Twitter account that, like... (sighs) I've ruined it's well. It's already ruined on the the main. Thing. I, I know I what just, it is in the search bar. I just searched yeah, uh, Snyderverse, and man, like my feed now is like <laughs> the craziest culty Snyder fan. <laughs> it's actually insane. You, you don't actually understand how many of these people. Oh, there are. I understand it. Don't believe me. <laughs> I understand like, it. It's crazy. Like every few minutes, there's a new one. It won the Oscar cheer moment. <laughs> So I found this Xavier Dolan tweet you're talking about. Is it the one where it's like, can't think of another director who derailed his entire career with a single shot as decisively as Xavier Dolan? I don't even get what they're saying. Yeah, that's the tweet. I don't, I don't understand the point. Like, what's the, like, how did he derail his career? I think a lot of these people are just like, not real or have mental problems. Because the tweet directly underneath (laughs) of them responding to themselves says, this one sent too many F slurs into hiding, like... Like, okay, what are you even saying? <laughs> what does it even like, mean? Even like, how did that one shot derail his career? Like, it doesn't even make any sense, like, what they're saying. And I've seen people quote retweet it, and I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what does that even mean? You know? What Is it does just it mean? rage bait? Is it just bait? Like, you're just happy that people... Yeah, it's you know. engagement bait. Yeah, I think it is bait. Because then it gets quote yeah. tweets, it gets people angrily replying to it, it gets boosted in the algorithm. Seems like that's the whole point. Yeah, so on everyone's feed. Yeah, definitely, 100%. It seems like people do that because they feel like they're supposed to do it on the platform. Like, the environment itself is mm-hmm. just bringing more out of it, you know? Yeah. I can't get over how meaningless that tweet is. Like, it just doesn't mean anything. Like, it just doesn't make sense, even. You know? Yeah, it's definitely so, not <laughs> the platform to talk about movies on. No, not at this point. Or anything serious. Anything serious. You notice how all my no, tweets are just no. fucking shit posting. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah said, that's the only purpose. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said eggs are a vegetable. <laughs> and people are like, what do you mean? <laughs> a lot of people are just like yeah. really confused. That's yeah. a that's a good tweet. That's what Twitter's for for me. Writing essays underneath now. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're like verified, you can uh that I'm, like you forget there was like a character limit. Like that was the whole point. You know, it's like the, about brevity, but now like you can just do <laughs> 50 paragraphs. Yeah. And the conversations are still just as out of context and right. not fade. Right. Even without the character. <laughs> That's yeah. why I like um, Letterboxd. I could write long reviews and I don't have to pay an extra $6 to write my long reviews. I can just write long reviews of movies that I like mm-hmm. without having to pay a, a billionaire who, uh, who associated with the weirdo. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. 
I guess questions. Like, was that a question? What was the question? <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what are we talking about? I think we started on what what we'd rename our channels or something. Jesus. Kind of oh yeah, I don't know how we got on that. I guess. Yeah. Went um, from that to uh, Elon Musk. I would. I want to. I'm considering renaming my gaming channels. I think that it's doesn't make any sense what I named them. I, I'm changing mine to YMS Gaming. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my channel name now. All right. We'll see which. <laughs> we'll see which one see wins. Which one, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> There'll be two YMS gaming channels. Fuck it. Why not? Jesus. Yeah. Why not? Uh, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Let's do this one from right, Benjamin Livingston O2. What are your thoughts on recent film journalism? I recently noticed an influx of YouTubers such as RK Outpost, a channel Adam reacted to in the past, Nerdtrotic, Midnight's Edge, Overlord DVD, Geeks and Gamers, and many other others that seem to be obsessed with covering the identity and studio politics behind major franchises, e.g. Star Wars, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, before any specific film or show is even released. While I feel that these channels and many other similar ones have some legitimate criticisms, they appear to me to be more interested in talking about how woke a film is, especially in their awful clickbait thumbnails, and less about the craft of filmmaking thoughts. Kind of feeds into what we're just saying. Where gets clicks. Stuff just gets clicks. Yeah. I think it feeds engagement. It's clicks and it's appealing to incels, which I don't like. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, you never had a girlfriend before. You you know, you want to... <laughs> you know, you just want to shit on movies starring women. It's like pathetic. Like there was a period of time where that was like, you know, whatever. Like Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters movie. Like everyone dogpiling on that. But now it's just like, I don't know. I'm so sick of it. Like I saw some review of Joyride. It's like so fucking pathetic. Just like you know, like stop being so fucking toxic. Or just like even the 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 Star Wars fandom is so fucking toxic in that respect. Like, I talked about Andor and how much I loved it. And then there's just, like, people in the Star Wars community who are just, like, fucking racist. To the point where the lead actor of the Star Wars shows has to come out and say, like, look, guys, stop attacking this actress. Like, you're just being fucking racist. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's so fucking toxic. Oh, the latest one is um, Indiana Jones with Phoebe. Um, yeah, Phoebe. Oh, was that a th- oh, that's yeah, fun. they're yeah. attacking her now because you know she's in Fleabag. It's a very like feminist show. And look in the movie, I didn't think she was great or anything, but yeah, they're just like attacking her. It's like guys, relax, like just fucking yeah. calm down. It's like they can't find the words for what they actually want to say if they want to like criticize a character yeah. or something. So they just jump to these like yeah, these just uh-huh. ridiculous buzzwords and phrases. And I'm I'm just like yeah, I'm so tolerant of the other side of it. Like, with the whole, like, that's, like, the point of my Charlie's Angels reviews. It's like, yeah, you know, women can be in bad movies, too, obviously. Like, that's not, like, that movie sucks. I'm not arguing that. But it's just, like, you know, you don't have to be so fucking toxic about it. You can make something funny and entertaining and still, like, criticize a movie starring women without being. Like, uh, um, on that Charlie's Angels review, I got so many comments defending Gina Carano. Because they said, like, you know, that Charlie's Angels show, there's, yeah. like, those, there's, like, pretty women in that show, like, Minka Kelly, she's gorgeous, you know, but she's, like, you know, you, you, I can't believe that she would beat up, like, a full-grown man with muscles or whatever, like, this giant dude. And I gave a good example, like, the movie Haywire, that's a good example of a, a movie where a woman is fighting men, but you believe that she can beat them up because she's, like, some M- MMA star or something. But then I got so many comments defending Gina Carano, 
And it's like, guys, what she said was fucking anti-Semitic. She's an anti-Semite. She compared, yeah. like, COVID to, like, you know, concentration camps in Germany and, like, Nazis. It's like, that's wrong. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, Lucasfilm fired her for that. And, like, you're giving me shit for it? Like, come on. Like, she's she's anti-Semitic. What she said was wrong. And it's like, you know, give her shit for it. Like, I just made some jokes about it. I didn't even say anything that bad. But yeah, I got like all these comments like, well, if if you were the, you know, everyone's going to say something wrong and then you're going to get attacked for it. And it's just like a bunch of bullshit from like people who are probably anti-Semitic themselves. And I just hate that kind of fucking online community. I try to distance myself, just distance yeah. myself from those kinds of people. Just, yeah, con- a continued lack of nuance with these conversations, right? Like mm-hmm. with the whole Little Mermaid thing, you know? Yeah, like, she's black, so the movie sucks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's like literally the conversation. It's not even any more subtle than the way I'm presenting it. It's like, this woman's black, she's not a good character because she's black. And that's like the end of it. And it's like fucking pathetic. It's like, don't you, can't you, like, go get fucking laid. <laughs> go get fucking laid and like, get a life. Jesus, it's awful. But then, yeah, speaking of Twitter, I saw someone did, like, a fan art of The Little Mermaid, but they'd done her as, like, the character from the 90s version, and they're getting a bunch mm-hmm. of hate, because uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they weren't black. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, like, that's what like, are you even, like, talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a new one. Yeah, again, there's, there's people on the other side who are ridiculous, too, like, nitpicking every little fucking thing, you know? Yeah, it's just so extreme. Everything's so loaded. You know? Like, I'm sure there's people who think I'm sexist for reviewing, like, a Charlie's Angels movie at all. But, like, at the end of the day, I'm, like, being funny. I'm joking. Like, I'm making jokes about the movie. It's very lighthearted, and it is funny. Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen my review, but it's very funny. Like, mm-hmm. the jokes I make, the references to, like, Punch Drunk Love or whatever. It's very lighthearted. It's not so mean-spirited like I feel some of these other YouTubers are. And that, that was, like, kind of my point, making that video. I don't know. Because, you know. It, and, like, plus you make a review of a movie with a bunch of beautiful women. Like, who doesn't want to watch that, you know? Like, uh, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm interested in people who are passionate about film, even if their lens is, like, unrelatable through which they view film. What pisses me off is people who, like wouldn't be talking about film at all unless it was like a weird culture war issue like like, like ben um, shapiro and ben matt shapiro. walsh and like ben shapiro and yeah. then all these clone channels like jordan um jordan you know, peterson they're just trying to capitalize off of like a lot of the same thing where it's like you're not even really yeah. talking about art you're kind of just like any excuse you can get to talk about why something is woke and therefore it's bad is you're just kind of grasping onto it yeah um, and it's just kind of, it's like repetitive and it's insane just how much, how successful that can be financially. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson's review of, um, free guy. That's like a really, oh, that's great. <laughs> just example. Oh, yeah. It's his favorite. I, about that. <laughs> I think he liked the movie cause it starred a white guy. It's like basically the point of the review, like, you know, but then again, you have the other side where like Olivia Wilde made that awful movie. Um, don't worry, darling. And it's like Chris Pine's character represents Jordan Peterson. It's model oh, for right, that. Yeah. And then she's asking Maggie Gyllenhaal in an interview. Cause they did like some actors table, like Olivia Wilde and Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's like, Olivia Wilde's asking Maggie Gyllenhaal what an incel is. Like, do you know what an incel is? And Maggie Gyllenhaal's like, no. Because she doesn't <laughs> fucking care. Because they're, they're worthless people. It's like, why you need to make a, like Jordan Peterson a character in a fucking movie? He's, he's worthless. 
it's just pathetic. A lot of people are like terminally online in a way where it's like, okay, you know, like you're you're now making something that is unrelatable to the average person because the average person is not Twitter. The average person is not yeah. like these weird culture war like spaces on the internet. Sure, it is seeping into real life politics for sure, especially in the United States, especially on the right, but you know, it's 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 something that like the average person just trying to like live their life <laughs> and just do their own shit and not be bothered is like what? Yeah. Like most people just don't know about a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of people are deprived of pussy. <laughs> It feels like it, it's just leaking out to this insane degree, though. Like, man, the, the state of what what is talked about in the UK, at least, like, it's, it's just woke stuff. No, that's it. That's like the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, that's no more policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one cares about policy. It's just virtue signaling. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's all virtue signaling. It's all toxic but in parliament they bring it up it's crazy i think th- i think most of these people are, are teenagers or like bots yeah like they, they it's like we shouldn't even be addressing these people yeah we should have some kind of like i don't know mandated thing where you have to take a picture of your id before you take a before you make a social media account like we like we all need to know like who to actually listen to in like this respect because it's just like so many toxic teenagers who like again they don't get laid so they watch like channels that are all like oh fuck women because they have their own issues and it's just like it creates a totally toxic environment that i just like i do not want to be a part of that you know mm-hmm. and even i've fallen into that too with like the ghostbusters review which it kind of is more lighthearted, but like i feel i've fallen into that too i kind of like brainwashed mentality but now i've tried to steer away from that because you know you know, I, I was young at the time. Now I actually get laid, so <laughs> I'm in a much better place. But you know, it's it's hard to like, it's hard to listen to these like responses to these movies because it's like that's not the problem. Like the problem with the new Indiana Jones isn't that there's a woman character who's strong. At it. The movie it just costs too much money, and the guy's 80 years old, <laughs> yeah, that's and and that's like the issue, right? It's not that she's in it. It's like guys. Come on. Fucking calm down. I mean, it, it just invalidates other criticism that people might have. Like, it makes, it, it honestly makes the problem worse. Like, in my mind. Cause, like, you hear these toxic people and it just makes the studios want to go another direction. Like, it makes, it makes, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you don't like women characters, then, like, we're going to cast more women. <laughs> and it's like the, it, it has the opposite effect than that these people like want like from their movies you know it's like it's just so toxic Mm -hmm. yeah especially when like the companies realize they can kind of almost use it to their advantage in a way definitely they can if they've written like a shitty character like um uh, what's her name reefer in the obi-wan show like because there are all these like hateful people throwing these idiotic things around it makes it more like difficult to criticize the character because then you don't want to be brandished a certain way. There's valid criticisms for her character, for sure. Like, I watched that show. Like, she's a dark side character. She's a bad guy. She she turns to the light side at some point. Spoilers. And I felt that was, like, a bit too sudden. And it's like, it, but instead of yeah. saying that, instead of saying that her character shift is too abrupt, they just go, she's a black woman and she's fucking stupid. And that's like the, the basis of their fucking criticism. And it's fucking pathetic. And it makes me so angry to like mm-hmm. read that shit. 
it's and it's like you know they like they want to criticize other people really when they're fucking saying shit like that it's unbelievable it's so nasty yeah the algorithms encourage it man yeah of course they do yeah because they don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah gets engagement gets mad engagement mm-hmm. another question let's do this one from uh walking wheel one what do you guys think of people that celebrate movies making huge profits at the box office? Recent example is the Super Mario Bros. movie, which hit one billion, leading to people I know being happy it hit that milestone. It personally bothers me because it's just people celebrating a corporate, but it's fine because the movie is a property they love and grew up with. I I thought that question was going to go in a different direction because what I've seen with some of the Mario people is them trying to say that because it was successful, therefore it's a good movie. Like I think that that's entirely irrelevant. Oh. Like we were mentioning Jurassic world, right? Like that movie was very successful. Everybody fucking hated it. Right. So yeah, if it's a movie you love, you want to see it be successful, hopefully because you want to see more things like it and you want to tell studios and investors and producers that, Hey, you'll make money by doing things like this. I am more happy when, you know, something like everything everywhere becomes like a huge thing or parasite where it's just like, okay, like you're showing that you can do something different or fucking, you know, like uh, even even the new Top Gun, you know, to focus on like the action yeah, spectacle yeah. and like practical effects. It's still it's still like an, it's not a, like a cynically made movie. Like I, I want to reward things where it's clear that people that made it are passionate about it. The new Spider-Verse, you know, like I'm happy when those things make money. So, yeah, sure. A lot of the money's going to the corporation, but this is the system that we currently have. Right. So. You know, all, all all the money you make is going to your fucking landlord, right? So, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't make money. Yeah. Just try to exist within the system. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I think I have more of an issue when movies I like do poorly. I think I have more problem with that. <laughs> I always expect movies I like to do poorly. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my expectation. <laughs> like um, that, that Scott Pilgrim movie, that really hurt. Because, like, I thought that was great. I thought people would really find it funny, and it, it bombed. And it's like, just because it bombed doesn't mean it's a bad movie, you know? Like, it's actually really good if you, like, give it a chance. Yeah, it became a cult classic after. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have an issue with that. At least Edgar Wright, like, it didn't hurt his career that much, you know? Like, he was still able to go on after it. That's that's what's mm -hmm. sadder to me is when, like, a, a bomb, like, just kills you know, directs his career entirely. What's that, um, Under the Silver Lake? Like, he hasn't done anything in since. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. That's a yeah, great I movie. Yeah, I love it too. We've all sung, yeah. our pra or sung praises about it, but yeah. It's a great movie. It's just Whereas a like, shame. Yeah. Yeah. I just mentioned, like, Bo is Afraid. Like, I don't, I don't care that that movie was a bomb. I'm glad I got it. And his next movie, I think, has already been confirmed. So, like... <laughs> they didn't care either. A24. They, they knew that would bomb. Yeah. And it's just like... I, that's like I'm not criticizing the movie for that because I think some people took it that way. I was more just shocked that they that, that they would even like make a movie like that, <laughs> yeah. knowing that it would not do well and be inaccessible, and just made it anyway because they, they believed in Ari Aster and they believe in art, which is great. You know, I just have an issue with like discussing finances for a movie. I feel is an important part of a movie, um, yeah, to some yeah. extent, yeah. Because they're such large investments, they're like comically large. L the last time I actually was invested in a movie making money was Dune Part One. Because at, at the, at yeah. the time, it was like, if you wouldn't wasn't get the a success, it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be a complete story without it doing well. So it's like, well, I want to see the whole thing. So yeah. please, <laughs> like, go see it. Um, whereas, yeah, I, yeah, 
I just don't get it otherwise. Like, I don't, I don't care that a Transformers movie makes a billion quid or whatever, or a Super Mario Bros. movie. Like, it's really mm-hmm. not. It doesn't come into the quality of it for me. But I love Mario. It's my favorite franchise. I do as well. That's why I think the films yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. They do suck. They've gotten worse. David Robert Mitchell's got an uh, untitled Anne Hathaway project in pre-production right now. So hopefully oh, we'll see good. something from him soon. Because I fucking when was under, love yeah. Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, I need to rewatch that soon. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, I've rewatched it a few times. It's very rewatchable, even though it's so long. And it's, it's got great scenes. It flies in by it. Yeah. for me. Um, yeah, and um, what? It, but that movie was what, like five years ago. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like yeah. it's what, like so fucking right? like that guy hasn't done anything since. I mean, it's not that uncommon to have six years between a movie or something. You know, I would love if every director had a movie every two years, like no one does. But it's just they, you know, a lot of them don't have that clout like he does. I don't know if it's necessarily even about clout though, because like a lot of directors, I think consciously choose to just you know not have not be releasing things constantly. There's a new movie Maybe. coming out by uh, fucking sexy beast director. Fucking what's his name? Oh yeah, like he makes uh, one Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. He hasn't made anything since Under the Skin. Uh, that's coming out this year. But man, that's why I love um, I love that Robert Eggers because he's got stuff out every two years. Yeah, three years. it's pretty. He's pretty consistent. Some people are surprising. He's pretty consistent with that. I love that. Yeah, and then yeah, the director yeah. of Tar makes a movie every like I don't know, fucking nine years or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even yeah. like um, Tarantino, he's got one every like four or five years. Like yeah. I feel like he's a a little consistent. I mean, he just takes a long time, right, to like write his scripts. I think he cares a lot about like the the script, and then he makes the movie. He just takes a long time because he really cares about like certain parts yeah. of it. But yeah, it depends what you're doing with art. I, f- I feel like just a lot of these guys they can't get funding, like they just can't get the resources because they're not like established, like a Nolan or a Tarantino or like one of those guys, which is sad. Yeah, hopefully it's not that. Yeah, I'm really worried for the industry. Like at this point, especially with all these strikes going on, <laughs> I don't know, movies Bones. not making money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how the fuck did Target made like financially? Right. <laughs> how the fuck? How exactly. the fuck did they give money to that and have it turn out like the way that he wanted it to? Uh huh. They figure like it'll get attention during awards Cult season. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Right. It's, I feel like good movies will eventually make their money. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's like an under the silver lake kind of thing where it was so divisive. People were like critical of the nudity or it was so complicated or so long. Or so, it was like a bunch A24 of things. A24 botched the release. That was their fault. That too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they had no yeah. faith in it. Mm-hmm. And that happens too. Like the studios just dump something out because they have no faith in it. And it's yeah, like very quietly. It's not the director's fault. It's not his fault that they re- they botched the fucking release of the movie. Because, yeah, like, it went straight to, like, the first time I watched Under the Silver Lake was on my television. It wasn't even a theatrical release. I'm like, really? Yeah, me too, I think. Yeah, I was trying to find it in theaters. It was, like, impossible. Yeah. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Although I did watch it at Cannes. (laughs) But after that point, it was difficult. But, But A24 produced The Idol. True. More people watched The Idol from A24 than, uh, Under the Silver Lake. And that worked out great for them, yeah fucking morons <laughs> that show is terrible 
Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Can, um, I'm, I'm a bit distracted because I'm getting all excited looking at this Jonathan Glazer movie, mm-hmm. Zone yeah. of Interest. Holy shit, this looks very hype. It'll probably be it there. This looks awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, hell yeah. Gotta check this out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. For sure. Damn, okay. Should we do one more? We can do one more if you want. Okay, let's end on this one from Scrooge Pants. I've seen an increased trend with movies coming out in theaters recently to run to two and a half to even three hours long, with examples such as John Wick 4, Avatar, Babylon, etc. Why do you think longer movies have become more increasingly popular even in the theater space, and you guys think the length is becoming detrimental to the quality of the movies? Love you guys. We were just saying this about the <laughs> Barbenheimer thing, where Oppenheimer is, I think, three hours long. Um, mm, yeah, it's becoming more common. It feels like it used to be much more of a rarity ten plus years ago than it is now. It seems yeah. like really common. Even Indiana Jones was like two and a half hours long. Way too long. That movie. Mm. It's annoying. It's like it's like we don't have deleted scenes anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like deleted scenes just don't yeah. exist for big studio productions. You know? What's the incentive though? Why? Like, because they wind their way onto streaming services. Because mm. they go into theaters with the intention of them being on the streaming service after. The longer it is on the streaming service, the more content there is that someone will watch before it's, you know... If if it takes them longer to finish each show, then they'll, they'll theoretically be subscribed longer onto the service to watch every show that they want to watch. I think that's, that's honestly true. it. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. I feel like it's just a trend at this point. It's like every movie's three hours long. So yeah, it's just make the new Fast and Furious three hours long. It's like it's just a, such a fucking trend. Because like as, as far as a theater space, it would be more beneficial if they were shorter. Yeah, that's what I was right. You show it more times in a yeah, day. Do they just not care about that model anymore? Is there just more money to be made streaming? Because even like I the think new, there's more money in streaming. Yeah. Yeah, there must be. Yeah, maybe. The new Mission Impossible. That's, that's two hours yeah, forty three. Yeah. Just looking at that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just every yeah, big yeah. movie seems to be like it's not considered like important unless it's the big three hour epic, you know? Exactly. They want to be important. Yeah, I'm sure they figured out the numbers. Yeah. I don't mind if a movie's long as long as it's good. engaging the whole <laughs> mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ye. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's it. Uh, I believe it is yeah. Ralph's turn to recommend a film. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, considering we've talked about DreamWorks movies a lot on this show, it's mm-hmm. become kind mm-hmm. of a, a trend. Um, I'm going to recommend... Can I recommend two movies? They're they're not going to be very substantial in investment, I don't feel. Like length? <laughs> yeah, I know It's we have a week till the next recording. Um, I'm going to recommend Boss Baby. If you guys feel like watching <laughs> Boss Baby 2, both go right ahead. I'm Why I'm going to watch both. <laughs> I'm going to torture you guys with some baby. Boss Baby. <laughs> oh, my God. I've, really seen the, I've seen the first one, but I, I never got around to the second. You yeah, made yeah, me yeah. watch Yee Yee. I'm going to make you watch. Yeah, I made you watch Yee yeah. Yee. <laughs> so I'm gonna make you watch two Boss Baby movies. <laughs> All right, well, I'll do a fucking stream. Add them together, and that's probably the same length as you. Yeah, yeah. I'll do a stream. God damn it! I, I yeah. God damn it! <laughs> Ralph is gonna torch you this week, uh, fellas. Yeah, with Boss Baby. <laughs> well, Hell yeah. if you don't want to be spoiled <laughs> for Boss Baby and 
the boss baby two family business have you have you both seen these or like <laughs> i've only seen the first one i've seen the first one i, I never saw family business <laughs> never seen it. i'm watching i'm with you i'm watching both <laughs> like oh, i'm gonna do no. a double feature of boss baby i'm gonna get my blu-rays from target and oh, we're gonna boy. is it know. on 4k do we know that much is there a 4k blu-ray there must, must be. be. I mean, it's a new surely. movie. Well, if you don't want to watch Boss <laughs> Baby two, that's fine. We don't. We you don't have to. I'll, I'm gonna watch. I feel both. like I kind of have to at this point. I'm gonna watch so, both, and you know, maybe Alex will just yeah. watch the second yeah. one because well, he's seen the first one. <laughs> I feel like it's a worthwhile discussion. If you don't want to be spoiled for the Boss Baby 2017 and the Boss Baby two family business, both directed by Tom McGrath. <laughs> And watch them before the next episode comes out. These episodes... Oh, he's directed Madagascar? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's DreamWorks. Watch them before the next episodes come out. Uh, These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early by going to sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. It's only $2 a month. Uh, Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. You can, uh, you know, support the show. Get to listen to these episodes early and feel good about yourself. We got merch, link in the description. We've also got a Sardonicus Highlights channel on YouTube. Uh, go toss a sub. Also, if you're watching on this on YouTube, subscribe. Leave a like. Leave a like. Put it in your favorites. Leave a comment. Do the stuff for the engagement. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Everybody have a happy fucking family business. I'm the boss. Have a happy boss, baby. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Me. All right. Bye-bye.